Ahoy! And welcome to the Sea Captain Way podcast with Phil Bender and Greg Patton, where we help listeners navigate the uncharted waters, personal and professional growth. The Sea Captain Way is about energizing top performers to take on risks and push beyond their comfort zone to pursue life-changing goals and achieve peak performance. We're going to help you build your vision by showing you how to break free of boundaries that are holding you back. So Phil, today we're going to revisit a topic that I know is one of your superpowers, and that is sales prospecting. In your new book, The Sea Captain Way for Financial Advisors, you outline and offer guidance on your top 20 prospecting techniques, and you call relationship-based prospecting is number one on the list. So let's dive right back in. Give us a refresher, if you could, on what relationship-based prospecting is and what makes it different from other forms of sales prospecting. Well, relationship-based prospecting is really what it says. I mean, it's a deeper dive into the relationship with your top clients or relationships. They don't necessarily have to be clients, but it's with people that see the world the same way you do, where you share a core values match. And when you see the world the same way as others, and I'm not talking about politics or religion or Red Sox Yankees, I'm talking about seeing the world the same way from a perspective of values. And when you do that, you just know the relationship works. In fact, I'll go so far as to say that your spouse, when you first get married, I learned this from one of my coaches, that it's a core values match that attracts you. Okay. And so when the relationship is deeper, stronger, you enjoy and look forward to those meetings. Why wouldn't we want to meet people that share those same traits, that same level of character? And why wouldn't we want to meet more people like that? So yeah, I know I've watched you as you, you know, you were coaching your advisors. That is one of your strengths is when you're putting them in that position to make those authentic connections with their clients that just they can run deep and it tends to lead to more referrals. So you say you consider the fourth quarter of the year as harvest time for new client referrals. Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, and Kwanzaa are celebratory times when people often take the time to appreciate relationship with family, friends, and clients. Why do you think the upcoming holiday season offers your clients opportunities for new referrals? Well, first of all, the holiday season, you can't do a holiday season without Festivus. I'm actually surprised you, <laughs> you uh, forgot that part. Uh, the you Festivus know, instead of, poll. Yeah. Instead of acting out grievances, you actually probably should get out in front of these people and, and share gratitude for the relationship as it stands. You know, if somebody bought a lot of widgets from you, I've said this before, you ought to get out there, thank them for buying widgets. And so to spend that time to get out there to just embrace the relationship without a selling strategy, without worrying about them having their accounts where they should be, just get out there, spend some time, be with them, and also be very clear in some technique to continue to further the relationship. For example, I'm, I would sit with somebody and have a discussion with them, not about the weather, not about how the teams are doing, but to really talk about why this relationship matters. What are some of the reasons that we connect and that I want to replicate you? You know, if I'm going to build a new client, wouldn't I want the relationship to be similar to the other person? Mm -hmm. And so if I share core values with somebody, there are other people that have those core values. And when I express that, then all of a sudden they say, oh, yeah, well, this particular person has this way about them. And that just makes it that that makes an ease 
for making an introduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice when you know someone just uh, even something as simple as, as I appreciate you. You referred me to um, I spoke to one of your old coaches, Bob Teichert, and when he followed up, he said your energy made for a really productive conversation. And it was just something you don't think about, but it's nice to have somebody recognize that. So you've always told me that during your thirty year sales career, you've never made a cold call. You use uh, a term you refer to as sea captain introductions and referrals with your clients. Can you expand on what you mean by this? Yeah. Well, first of all, you're exactly right. Never made a cold call. Always met people through people. Okay. I don't even know how to make a cold call. It scares me too much. And I know you made a lot of cold calls back in the day, Greg, when you were dating. And uh, <laughs> that's a that's really a different conversation. Oh, I made soon. a few of those myself. I know I made a few of those myself. But but the the fact oh, is that when you make cold calls, you've got a long trajectory on the relationship being established. When I meet somebody through somebody else, I'm about halfway home already because I was referred. I mean, think about how when you need something done around your house, you don't go to the yellow pages. I'm not even sure they exist anymore. I'm sure they do. But you go to you go to a couple friends or now you put it on Facebook and you say, who knows a plumber, right? Because you're, you want people to make that introduction. And so in this process of networking or in this process, I'm just working on that technique and I hate to lose. So I'm just going to stay focused on making the connections till I find that someone connects. Yeah, we got that indoor. So you got to you got to try the next door app when you need something done in your around your house. It's kind of the same concept. It's your neighbors recommending and giving testimonials. So great stuff. So you kind of alluded a little bit to this earlier. You encourage your advisor clients to visit with their top twenty clients during November and December with the objective of not trying to make a sale or talk about the market, just to try to deepen and strengthen the client relationships on a more personal level. Uh, why do you think these types of meetings during this time of reform? Reflection and renewal strengthen are able to strengthen client relationships. Well, it's a season of giving, so you start with that. It's a time to really take a look at your year, what worked, what didn't. Start planning for the following year, and so it's just an opportunity to appreciate what people have done for you, how they've shown up for you. I'm a type person. My wife talks about all the time. If I'm thinking about you and I'm driving in a car, I just pick up the phone and call you. I don't even care if you answer the phone. I'm just basically say things like, "Hey, I was just thinking of you," or maybe it's a maybe it's a song that I heard on the radio that made reminded me of you, or it's an ex- or reminded me of an experience. So I'm just paying attention to those things. And this is a time to do it without an agenda, although still there is a little bit of an agenda here because I would like over the next year to be introduced to other opportunities. So my clients understand that. I'm going to share with them the vision. First thing I do always is show the vi- share the vision of my firm and how it will impact them as a client or as a relationship of mine. Okay, Maybe an investment I've made strategically. It might be some new people we've hired. It could be a uh, technology that we're implementing. Second is then I'm going to share the gratitude, maybe in, with some form of recognition. Okay, It could be anything from a Starbucks gift card to a client experience I'd like to, to do with them in the following year. 
And then lastly, I share my development strategy for the next year. Pretty simple. I'd like to add 25 new clients to my client base next year. I'd like five to be just like you. And then I share some characteristics about them. So if I were doing this with you, Greg, energy would be one. Two would be sense of humor. Okay. Three would be fun to be around. These are things that I would share that I want to meet people like that. Well, loyal, all these different things that come up when I think about you, I'm going to share that with the client because I'd like to replicate them. And that's how this process can work at this high level with these top 20. Mm-hmm. If I can get two to three introductions from that top 20, this gets very exciting for the following year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know from my experience that these types of conversations will move advisors towards you know better alignment with ideal prospective clients. And often family members and relatives of ideal clients offer great opportunities for an advisor to grow their practice because they usually have the desired asset levels and need the same service as the other members of the family are getting. And when top clients recommend an advisor, you know they come to the initial, initial meeting already with a good opinion of them. So how have you found this client development strategy to be effective as far as getting referrals to family members who have similar needs as your current clients? Well, core values, again, transcends families, okay? Can see the world the same way. So this is a natural match to go to get introduced to family members or advocates, because that's really what I'm looking for. Over the course of the year, I want, if it comes up in conversation, let's say I don't execute a referral that day, although I'm a big proponent of doing that. I'm also a big proponent of now using text chains to make introductions. I do probably 95% of my introductions now are over text chain because it's a natural way to either get a yes or a no on a meeting. It's also a natural way for you to share a little bit about what you did for them that mattered as to why. Okay. So I'm getting a little off topic here, but there are three things I always want people to know when they introduce me. Number one, good person. Number two, broad value. Number three, worth 30 minutes of their time. Now they can say whatever they want to say to elaborate, but those are the three things I want. Notice I didn't say did good job insurance planning, did a good job selling widgets, did a good job with my investments. That's up for me to do when we get together. But the value is in there, and that's a critical piece. And so now transferring that back to family, over the course of the year, you'll find that people will start to advocate for you. They'll start to think about how to introduce you instead of waiting for somebody to need a product offering, which never comes. And so you'll start to get introductions over the course of the year because these top 20 see themselves as a difference maker in your firm, almost an influencer, if you will. And therefore, guess what? They start to think about it a little bit and they start saying things like, holy cow, I bet Phil would be a good fit for this person. My parents need an introduction. Boy, it's time for me to get them with Phil. That's what you're hoping for. And the message consistently sent is a message that ends up resonating. So it's just a constant conversation over and over again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, how you talk about that making the initial connection. I had one of my advisor clients tell me, he said, if I'm talking about my investment strategy during the first meeting, the meeting's not going well. You know, I need to find common ground with them. And I, I noticed that in your coaching, how the Scott Underwood that you're doing new workshops with, how he said he does not get granular in certain parts of client meetings. He's just helping them understand the concept 
of what it is that they're doing. I was just going to add one thing, and that is system. The thing with Scott is it's all systematized. So everything has a process which allows you to be present. A lot of people think that language is it doesn't allow for you to be in the moment, but actually it does because when you're rehearsed, when you're prepared, when you have a process to work people through, then that's the opportunity for you to be present with people. It's like in the coaching we do. Our coaching stuff, because it is so structured and the diagnostic tools are so thorough that we don't have to worry about what we're going to present. It's all there. We just have to be present with the people, troubleshoot, give them vision, give them energy, and help them get what they want. So that's a really important piece. And so we go back to when you rushed me in the fraternity house, how many times did you call me before you finally got me to go out? (laughs) Yeah, I think it was about 10 or 12. I was like, who does this guy Phil Bender think he is? (laughs) I know. I I was an arrogant, cocky son of a gun, right? But the fact is you, you made those calls and- Because you believed in what you're doing, Mm -hmm. what you were doing, why you were doing it. And so therefore, it didn't matter how many calls you were making. It was that you knew that it was that I was referred to you and this was the right thing. And you just had to finally get me at a place where I didn't have a baseball game so I could go. Right. And you're the one that caused all that havoc. Yeah, exactly. I scouted the Tom Brady of the ATO legacy. So as we were talking about family, I know the relationships with clients will offer advisors the opportunity to engage in conversations with clients, adult children sometimes, and this allows them to educate them about the family's investment strategy and estate planning goals. How do you think this lays the groundwork for future transfer of wealth and implementation of financial planning strategies that are already in place? Well, to be a financial advisor and not to go toward the parents or down to the children, depending on the situation, age of the client, and so on, is basically saying that I really don't care about the multi-generational wealth being created. And yet so many of us, we just don't take those risks. And so in some of the actual gratitude that you'd express or the relationship building that we're talking about today is about making sure the family's whole, making sure they're okay. I see way, way too often that family members do not understand or haven't communicated with other family members about financial wealth transfer. They, The parents have not discussed it. Therefore, many clients don't know what their inheritance is going to be. They don't know at what level. The estate planning has not been done. Power of attorney. You can go down the list, but it's rare to see this done efficiently and effectively. And whether you're an attorney, whether you're an accountant, whether you're an advisor, these types of pieces left undone, in my opinion, is a breach of fiduciary responsibility. And so therefore, you owe it to the client to have this conversation, not just that I'm networking or prospecting. I owe it to the client to have this conversation and bring everybody to the table. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it works to your benefit for the transfer. Yeah, I know as I was, uh, I worked with a client, estate planning was one of their strong skills. And 
it was interesting the way she positioned the benefit of estate planning and trust to me, as she said, it helps maintain family harmony. And I thought that was such an interesting way to put it because she said, well, you know, when everybody's on board with the plan, everybody knows what the path ahead should look like. It helps just from a relationship standpoint. And I, you know, my brother is an advisor and he said he has been in a situation where he has a client pass away and the kids, some they'll think they're in, getting inheriting money. And he's like, I've got some bad news for you, you know? So that's interesting. That's the last time you want to hear about it is when it's past tense. Sure, um, sure. You know, should, yeah. should the family be setting up a, a distrust account? We used to call it trust account, but most trusts are set up because of distrust. Should they be setting that up, right? Should they be setting up just too many situations that I've experienced, your brother's experienced, you've seen in your advisory work where it's just not going deep enough in the relationship to make sure that these things are taken care of. Mm -hmm. So I think we're getting close to time here. Going to maybe wrap in your coaching practice. How do you emphasize this with your, is it like newer advisors that need this type of guidance or do you have some things that techniques that you share with even your advisors that have been around a while? How do you um, coach to this? Well, as far as gratitude based relationship-based prospecting, that's a universal. I do think that for newer advisors, they should be asking more on a volume basis, more frequently, and maybe not with the depth that career advisor would be asking. Career advisors need to be doing, I, I have this with established advisors, doing relationship-based prospecting six times a quarter, okay? Six, maybe eight, but definitely at least six and if they're getting that done, they're getting about anywhere from 70 to 100 introductions and ending up processing almost half of those because they're good at what they do and they've gotten over that hurdle. Newer advisors can't afford that. They have to do much more volume at this point, but also layer in the gratitude along with it. It's not an either or, it's an and, and they should be paying close attention to those pieces. But I, I focus more with newer advisors on two daily asks prepared, you know, with feed lists, things of that nature, probably worth another podcast down the street. But this relationship stuff is what makes this opportunity or the career a lot more fun because you just are spending time with the people that you share common bond. Right. And it's got a pay it forward kind of vibe to it. So was I supposed to get you something for Festivus? I forgot. What's the appropriate observation of that holiday? First of all, I, uh, feats of strength, I think we still have to do next time we're together. But I, I think the act of grievances we did at our last retreat, that's for sure. You and I both took it on the chin. But, uh, oh, that's right. But so, you know, it's holiday season. It's gratitude season. It's time to get out there and really genuinely thank people for being in your life. And that's what I like to do. I appreciate the reminder. And you're good at it. Thank you, Phil. Yeah. And thank you, Greg. And thank you for being you. <laughs> Have a good day. <laughs> All right. We'll talk, we'll soon. talk soon. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Sea Captain Way podcast. If you found the conversation valuable, please like, share, and post a review on your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Sea Captain Coaching and how you can start taking advantage of our purpose driven coaching guidance, visit us at seacaptaincoaching.com and get the Sea Captain view on navigating uncharted waters of growth. The link is in the show notes. You can also follow us at Sea Captain Coaching on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. 
wishing you fair winds and a following sea on your journey. 